welcome to episode number 56 of the EDPHG team podcast on a really sweaty, sweaty day and it's glorious with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am really good, thank you. How are you? I am excellent, thank you. I am enjoying sweating through all <laughs> of my clothes. It's just a delight. How many outfit changes do you do a day? <laughs> so many. If you can like the gym and then the bikini and then the clothes that you put on on top of the bikini and then the clothes to go for a walk and then you're yeah you're, I mean that's at least four yeah yeah and about I know it's not good for the environment but I'm having about three showers a day because I just can't cope you know so, what you have sorry. to <laughs> exactly right you have to pick your battles with the climate like you do your best yes we eat corn we eat corn <laughs> and Linda McCartney and we try <laughs> yeah it balances it out yeah absolutely and we've not traveled anywhere really for a year actually that's a lie I have so I can't play that card I, I can I can I, the drive to Wales was not that far so you can you can take your free showers I only have like two but I have really bad like I get really bad breakouts on my back and I think it's from like so when I get back from the gym I have to wash like my back I have to wash my body like immediately so then day to day at the moment when I'm sweating I'm like oh, I, need to, I need to get in the shower again I know it sounds gross but hey we normalize these things <laughs> absolutely <laughs> normalize all the breakouts um anything new happened this week other than sweating our tits off um for those that are following I am in my new house <laughs> and it's beautiful it looks so beautiful it's honestly it's not sunk in it feels like a holiday home <laughs> especially in this weather as well I'm mad um but yeah surreal I can't believe it's happened it looks kind of like you've got exposed beams don't you yes that's my favorite thing in the entire world this is all about me obviously yeah <laughs> it's amazing like they're beautiful I had them in my old flat I'm, I'm jealous but in a very happy for you Honestly, it's been like my dream home, like a little tiny cottage. <laughs> it's in Loughborough, isn't it? Uh, one of the villages nearby, yeah. I wouldn't make you say it on a podcast in case someone shows up at your door, because you never know. <laughs> I do know some villages around Loughborough-ish. Mm. No one else is going to know them. Um, well, that's very exciting. Yes. I have no exciting news whatsoever, I don't think, this week. Did you see? There's been lots about it recently. The, what is it? the Norwegian volleyball team oh yes yeah and an Olympian as well I don't know about the Olympian so it's like vice versa the Norwegian volleyball team were told that they can't wear longer shorts like they wanted and the Olympian was told that hers were too revealing oh for god's sake how do we decide which is what's (laughs) revealing for women and what's adequate for the male gaze it's yeah it's mad absolutely mad i'd be interested to know if a man had ever been told his shorts were too revealing they might have done to be fair i I don't know i would be interested the volleyball thing is obscene oh yeah absolutely obscene it is imagine in a workplace saying to someone no your skirt is too long you have to wear a shorter skirt to work (laughs) sexual harassment 101 just gives you like the heebie-jeebies doesn't it yeah yeah, and they, and they have had to pay the fine, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Which is, oh, mad. Yeah, I'm hoping that they, like, crowd surfed or whatever. Is that right? <laughs> Not crowd surfed, crowd funded. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I don't think that's it. <laughs> cool. 
it's a very different meaning on things <laughs> i hope that they did do that and i hope that they get the money because that's it's just it's it's p- pathetic that in this day and age women are still having to dress for what men tell them to dress like that's what it comes down to yeah however they word it some man in a boardroom has said this is what they have to wear and they have to pay us money if they don't dress in the way that we like if you actually think about it on that level it gives me the absolute heebie-jeebies yeah yeah particularly as it's like when you see what the guys are wearing it's not for like a performance side of things is it it is just look at these girls wearing teeny tiny shorts yeah exactly there's no rationale I mean, I don't know the rules of volleyball, but I feel that there's no rationale. No, no. I don't think. Even in aerodynamic senses, I don't think that's smart. Um, Okay, let's get on with the questions before we dehydrate. You can go first because you've always got more questions than me. I have many. I I love it. It's great. (laughs) We never seem to get through. Um, Okay, so this client is actually leaving soon she's done an incredible incredible job um but her question is when do you know if you're ready for a fat loss phase it's not something i'm aiming for now but at some point in the future question i'm sorry second part is what would be the best approach for fat loss okay as she's no longer tracking weighing fitbit steps anything like that Okay, good question. Um, I think what it comes down to, so if you've spent some time and you're not regularly overeating, for example, and your body image is fine and you're pretty neutral with food and neutral with your body image, great. So I'm kind of ticking that off because she's finishing with you. I'm kind of ticking that off like to say we're there. Um, It comes down to, I think, the reason why you're dieting in the sense of, if you are dieting because you are are still trying to find, maybe you're going through something in life and you're trying to find some control in dieting, then it's not the right time. Or you're dieting because you're going on holiday and you think that that's just kind of knee-jerk, oh, I'm going on holiday, so I'll probably just diet for two months before it because that's just what we do. Kind of knee-jerk reaction, then you're not ready to diet or you shouldn't really be dieting. And again, if you're trying to find something else away from simply saying, do you know what, I'd quite like, I'd quite like it if I was a bit leaner. I'd quite like to feel... A little bit leaner beyond that if you're seeking anything beyond that then i'd say that i would question why you're dieting and when you say that you want to feel a bit leaner i mean you i don't mean um i feel like i should be leaner or i feel like i want to look more like this person so it's really coming from you and i'm i'm sure that this person has some good self-awareness after working with you as well so she will know when that if that time is right and if she just feels like she wants to get a bit leaner then great and I think in terms of approach, you can easily pick up tracking. I think often we work with people, right, who we support to remove tracking. Or at the time they start with us, we say, Do you know what, tracking is not the right thing for you right now. But that doesn't mean that tracking is off the table forevermore. Um, and sometimes for people, tracking is the best thing. It's the easiest thing for fat loss. And, I, and that stands true for people even who have not tracked for ages, but want to drop some body fat. So you could track. But you could also just think that I'm just going to make some simple swaps in my diet and add some expenditure. So I'm going to add in a walk every morning before breakfast, just because I could probably get up 20 minutes earlier and just get out for a walk. And with my breakfast, normally I have 
oats and whey and some fruit and you know what I'm just going to actually have some whey and some fruit and then have my carbs a little bit later on in the day really simple things like that are potentially enough or like just thinking of what carb meals you've got carbohydrates in and saying right can I swap half those carbohydrates for some vegetables like little calorie swaps like that making sure obviously that you're not doing anything like reintroducing food rules or excluding excluding certain food groups again so just really a inclusive gentle approach is probably the best bet yeah completely agree i think there's always that that like it sounds so simple doesn't it when you just like well if you're not tracking just these simple swaps and they can but they can make such a big difference and it doesn't need to have any real thought to it or overcomplicate it in any way change pace if you somehow forget to stretch after a workout should you do it when you next remember or is there a certain time after the workout that it becomes pointless for example if you remember 15 minutes later compared to an hour or two after it makes no difference really does it no. i think i mean hand on heart i never stretch after <laughs> a workout um yeah people i think mistake stretching for if you're getting injured or you feel tight often people think you need to get getting to get more flexible but often it's you just need to get stronger or you need to get better in that lift it's i think stretching can be great for mobility so if you are if you've got poor flexibility for example or poor mobility in your legs and you might find things like squats and leg press harder so you might not be able to get the full range of movement and then you struggle with progression so that's why it can be helpful but it doesn't have to be straight after a workout there's no benefit to it at all I think I don't do it either the way that I see it is if, if you can include some stretching within your overall weekly schedule whether that's yoga or a couple of post-workout stretches or whatever it is you want to do then that's more than sufficient and it's also about posture and obviously yoga is great for so many other things on top of that but um, it doesn't have to be timed to anything at all. There's no post-workout benefit of stretching. Um, okay, so this client has, again, done a really good job um, in tackling binges, but she is finding at the moment there are some episodes of overeating. And she asks, is it normal? If so, why does it happen? Yes, totally normal. What I'd say is how amazing that you are overeating. And I mean that in, I mean that in the most positive way, you know. It's to be able to overeat and stop overeating is much harder than going on a strict meal plan and not overeating at all and then and not binging either. You know, this is how like this is really normal to have these times because ultimately what you're doing is you're breaking you're breaking a, a habit that has provided you with something useful. Binge eating before was providing you with something that allowed you to escape or suppress or whatever it was. And it can be really hard just to say, you know what, I'm just going to say goodbye to it. It's like giving up a toxic ex-boyfriend. You have to say no a lot of times, some of us more than other times, before we finally say, you know what, enough is enough and this is me done now. And sometimes it can be drastic and the person can do something really horrendous and that's enough. And sometimes it can be on and off 
random sleepovers, random arguments, and slowly but surely you stop hanging out. And so I don't, I, yeah, it's quite, I would say it's quite normal. And it, it happens because you're still looking to fill some space with that and because it's a habit and it you've done the hardest part now and it's just contest, being consistent with those habits and those practices and it will dissipate over time. Nothing to add. <laughs> I realise, like, I relate so much stuff to ex-boyfriends, considering I don't have a lot of ex-boyfriends, but I just think, I just think for most people... It's I relatable, really, right? Yeah, I believe <laughs> the terminology always works, but then sometimes I think I put something in, and then one of my exes will watch my Instagram story and, and I just think, oops, like that would be really <laughs> offensive. But sometimes it's also not true. I just like to use it as an analogy because it makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Most of the time it is true though. Um, okay. If you remove tracking or weighing of food, how do you know if you are keeping on track? I might know what a portion size is, but what can I use to check I haven't distorted that view? Or how long would it take to know if things weren't going to plan? Oh, excellent question. Um, I think obviously you're, you're going to know if... I mean, I don't, I don't like using the term on, on and off track, but you'll know like if, what, if your goal right now is maintenance, you'll know if perhaps you are pulling back on portion sizes, if there's a dip in energy, if your performance training, performance in training's dropping off. Obviously, if you notice that you're losing weight or a bit leaner, those sorts of things. Um, and perhaps as well, becoming a bit more preoccupied with food and aware of, of what you're eating and how much of it you're eating as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of the question for this person it's more a case of yeah how do I know if I'm under eating and all of those things are basically what you said sleep as well if your sleep's disturbed or you're irritable they're your general signs that you're probably under feeling as well I think this question kind of highlights this still inherent need now I would just like to say that I've never known anyone to transfer of tracking in the way that this person has we really started from the nitty-gritty and worked through so she's done the hardest part of letting go of all of that but I think what this looks this comes down to is still looking for the external external guidance it's the kind of I need a reference point or I need something to tell me if this is right rather than saying I'm going to listen to what's going on for me and that can be, you know, at, at certain body shaped sizes, we can have pot potentially dysregulation of our hunger signals and that might be sli slightly going on. So your hunger might feel slightly less than what it, what the energy that is required by you. And so when you say, when I say, you know, look into yourself and, and figure out for yourself if you're hungry or not, rather than something external, you can't always do that if you're underweight or if you are, for example, um, binge eating or you are in a larger body sometimes you have leptin resistance so it's off then too so it's not as easy as saying well just listen to your body as much as for us we would love to be able to say that so using biofeedback like you said is the best bet and rather than thinking about it in the moment and thinking I don't know if this specific thing is enough 
thinking about it more overall and just taking a step back and say, well, this might not be enough right now. But do you know what? When I check in next week and I look back on all of these things that are markers of good energy or low energy or et cetera, then I can say, oh, actually, I probably didn't eat enough because actually I didn't really have a lot of energy and I was, my training wasn't great. So, and maybe my weight is down, for example. So now I know that those portion sizes that I had were not sufficient. I'm going to increase them the next time I have them. So it's just about taking a step back rather than looking at the intricacies of it, I think. Um, any tips to stay grounded during times of change? Moving country has always brought nothing but good to my life, but the initial stage of getting set up, moved in, finding a job, getting a new routine, making friends, finding a gym, et cetera, can feel quite overwhelming at times. It is a lot. What was the, what was it? Any tips specifically for what? To stay grounded during times of change. Mm. Keep a couple of things that you know are your kind of regulars wherever you are. So examples might be you might always weight train wherever you are just because that's your thing that you enjoy doing or you might always meditate every day because that's your thing or your book. Keep a couple of things that are yours wherever you are and all of those types of things as well, because they're so immersive, they support that kind of quote unquote grounding feeling. Um, I mean, you can do actual grounding where you go out and turn off all your electrics and walk in your bare feet on the grass. And that actually probably, will, that will probably make you feel better as well. Um, what do you think? I, so, I didn't know until she asked this question, in, but I'm assuming, having said, moving country has always brought nothing but good. And I know this client's a massive fan of journaling, so maybe kind of write down all the stuff that, all the positives that have come and keep that as a reminder mm. and read on it anytime you are feeling anxious and a bit overwhelmed by things. Yeah, I like that. And also remember that, these unsettled times are the times that are leading to growth. These really, these big changes are really require you to be really brave. But when you are really brave is when you get the repayment for that and good things are going to come out of that. Um, and keeping that at the forefront of your mind to say, it's absolutely normal. You can be excited and you can be terrified at the same time. You can hold space for all of those feelings but I think hold it make sure that you are holding space for them so when you do feel a little bit overwhelmed or anxious you can say I feel overwhelmed but I also feel excited about what's to come and then let yourself feel the full spectrum okay this is that's more of a topic rather than a question however the topic is <laughs> self-sabotaging your goals Oof. can't relate <laughs> um, not at all We've, um, there's, there's so many reasons isn't there why you might be doing it mm. um, I, I would like to say before we get started on the reasons is that and this is not this person by the way this is just me saying in general self-sabotage for some people is a re really easy outlet a really easy reason and sometimes excuse for behaviors what I mean by that is sometimes you just don't want to do something sometimes 
it's too much effort and you don't want to put the effort in. Sometimes that goal is not aligned with your values. Sometimes like you just can't be arsed. It's not self, that's not self-sabotage. It's because you don't want it enough to put the work in or because you've not made it easy enough. So we would never say to our clients, you just don't want it. Well, actually we might say you just don't want it enough. If for example, I'm trying to think of something, you know, like they would rather socialize than fat loss at that time. That's great. You don't want enough. That's totally fine. There's no judgment. But if it was us as a coach, we would usually say, right, how can we make this easier for you to stick to this? Those situations are not self-sabotage. And I think it's a term that's banded around so much. I would just, we need to hold ourselves accountable to sometimes it's not self-sabotage. Sometimes you just can't be arsed. And that's absolutely human. <laughs> it's almost like this is this is uh well no I was gonna say whether it's uh this is as close to grind harder <laughs> but yeah. it's pretty close I'll give you that oh god I've turned into one <laughs> <laughs> but compassionate coaching so yeah <laughs> really up to you <laughs> we don't mind um yeah so there are lots of reasons let's new let's reel some off first reason is you're scared of success kind of like procrastination you're scared of what happens at the outcome so I spoke to a client last week actually or this week and she was talking about she was actually saying when she loses the weight she has she wants to diet she wants to diet and she wants to start dating again and I said well is it because you want to like are you scared about dating again are you scared of putting yourself back out there again because right now what you're saying is if I don't reach that weight, then I don't have to do that scary thing. And subconsciously, you've got that message in your head. It's like, if you don't reach there, then you don't have to do the scary thing. So let's just not reach there. So when we're saying like, this fear of success, that's sort of what we mean. If you're putting a big weighting on, same as if you say, I'll be happy when. If you're getting closer and closer to your quote unquote goal weight, which we don't use, but if you're getting closer and closer to that end point and you're not any happier, Rather than say, do you know what, I was wrong, I need to look somewhere else, I need to look deeper about why I'm not happy, you say, do you know what, screw it, I'm just not going to reach that point, I'm going to revert back, I'm going to gain some weight again, so then I don't reach that point, so then I don't have to accept the fact that I'm not happy for other reasons, it's still because of my weight, so no one can tell you if that's what you're doing, but you have to look at yourself and think about the narrative that you're telling yourself on that one. Um losing identity as well mm, yeah I think that's that's a, a big one and again something I spoke to a client about today in fact um in that everybody as she's worked on improving her relationship with food um all of her friends deem her as the healthy one the one that goes to the gym and exercises all the time and I think it's been a sense of kind of losing who she is mm, definitely I had that with my friends and I'd go by every time I went back to Scotland I always felt like I needed to be this was years and years ago obviously but I felt like I had to be the leanest person and I had to have that identity of being that person that runs all the time and doesn't eat properly and every time I recognized it every time I went back to Scotland and I thought that's who I had to be mm. yeah that's a really good one and it's like also about what you're what you're losing by what you're losing by changing. Mm. So it's your identity, but then it's also like, well, are you losing? I don't know. Um, your comfort 
mechanism, your coping mechanism? Are you losing what feels like somebody that supported you or something that supported you for the last 10 years or whatever it is? I think, again, having that conversation with yourself. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to self-worth. Yeah. Well, it does. You know, if you don't think you're worth the outcome, then why would you show yourself? Why would you let yourself get there? If you're not deserving, if you don't feel deserving of achieving what you want, then you're not going to let yourself achieve it. So you can't wait for your worth to change when you change your habits or you change your relationship with food or your fat, body fat. Um, you have to get on board with your self-worth first because there's, it's not going to happen if you don't think that you're worth those things and most people that work with us have decided that they're worth the investment they finally are like do you know what I'm going to invest in myself and I think that we re really recognize that with our clients there's the financial investment of any coach but then there's also the investment that we ask clients to make in, in actually doing the quote-unquote work um but it's something that we really recognize with people like we are in awe of everyone that puts the work in I think with us yeah most definitely most definitely. Um, okay, change of pace. <laughs> what, if at all, can your heart rate tell you about your A, health and B, fitness levels? So generally, generally, a lower resting heart rate is a sign of better cardiovascular health and better fitness levels on the whole. Like if you think about if you think about two people who go for a run at the same pace, one person's heart rate is 120 and one person's heart rate is I don't know 160, say, and they're running at the same pace. The person that's running with a heart rate of 120 is having to work less hard. Their heart, their body's having to work less hard. They're much more efficient than the person running up with a heart rate of 160. And you can imagine long term how that translates long term if your body is just more efficient and having to do work hard at any get work less hard at any given intensity it's not just running but any part of life it just has to work slightly less hard that's one reason why actually hip training is really good because it removes that distance that difference because you have to push yourself really hard um so in general lower rest and heart rate also is indicative for example of lower stress levels um it usually coincides with a lower blood pressure. It's just a, it's, if you've got a high rest and heart rate, it's generally a sign of, we need to be mindful of it in terms of longer term cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, etc. cetera. Um, it's, I think it's something everyone should be looking at, monitoring, not excessively, but if, if you wear a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something, then that should, like, that should be one of the main things that you're looking at. First and foremost is your heart rate, I think. Um, me and my friend have been me and my friend have been trying to get our rest and heart rates down over the last few months, um, but it's really interesting. So I've been paying up, been a lot more mindful of mine recently, and you can see this huge, like, really clear difference between follicular phase and luteal phase. It always it stays down, and it makes sense because of the hormones. But um, your heart rate stays lower in the follicular phase, and then it goes up by about four beats per minute rest in in the luteal phase which is really cool and then as soon as you menstruate it comes right back down again <laughs> so that's a, that's a cool fact that that's i didn't cool. know yeah no that's really cool 
But then when I realised, I was like, why? That's a basic, that's basic physiology. Why do I not know that? But there's just parts of physiology that you don't think about to question. And then you, then you recognise, you're like, well, clearly that makes sense because of oestrogen, etc. But yeah. No, the one thing I always check in is the difference between like, um, if I go away or have a little break, because I don't... I mean, I know I joke that things have been stressful recently, but <laughs> I always find it interesting. In general, I don't think, like, I don't have a stressful job. I love what I do. Um, obviously, being self-employed, I can work fits around me. And it's, I'd say, most chilled I've been working in forever. But there's still a good drop by about 10 beats per minute when I go away. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a lot. Mm. Wow, that's why we all used to take holidays. That's insane. <laughs> that's crazy. I know that mine, I really pushed mine to get mine down. So I did, I was doing some hitting stuff and it did come down. And then I got into July and July for me is um, trauma month, anniversary trauma month. And I knew that I was keeping really, really busy and I was overworking until more recently because I've kind of passed my hurdle, I think. Ish. and then I was working more and I was doing all my hit and I was doing everything and my heart rate was just going up basically as soon as I went into July no matter what I was doing my heart rate is about four beats per minute faster than it normally is and I was like why is this happening Am I, I don't think I obviously don't weigh myself so I don't know like the heavier you are your heart rate will probably be up a bit and as you lose weight your heart rate will come down a bit as well it's just related to your body size and I thought maybe I've gained a bit of weight or something and I obviously don't know um and then my friend was like, it's probably trauma anniversary heart rate. So I'll be interested to see if it comes back down again, like mm-hmm. in a month or two. That's yeah. Just, just cool. A few podcasts ago, you guys discussed gaslighting and the effect it can have on someone. This term was completely new to me at that point in time. And it made me realize that I have definitely been on the receiving end before. Is there any way you can respond to someone who is gaslighting you? Or is this just something that is best simply to walk away from? When I've been in these situations before, no matter how what has happened I always seem to be the one in the wrong and apologizing is there any way to call the gaslighter out and make them realize they are being manipulative do you think there's a way to make these people understand the effect that they're having on you by being this way or do you think that because of the way these gaslighters are there is no way of getting this across to them oh I first of all I think there are a lot of people in the same boat that didn't that aren't aware of the term and then when you explain it to them they're like oh, yeah that's I'm I'm dealing with that right now um I mean I have a little bit of personal experience with this and at, at the time I wasn't aware and I think a lot of it also came down to my self-worth and him doing that to me was just reinforced that I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. um but then as soon as I started working on myself and found the confidence to challenge it um he wasn't aware of what he was doing I think it's possibly how it's how he always was but no matter how much there was never any change and in the end, the best thing I could do was to walk away. Mm. Yeah. 
I think from my 34 years of age, I would love to say that this is something that I would always do, but it's something that I would always recommend to you that you do is to walk away. Um, sometimes it takes a while to do that because there's no reasoning with someone who is gaslighting you. They're, what happens when you when someone is gaslighting you regularly is you just walk end up walking away thinking, did that actually just happen? Like, what did I just like, What just happened there? Did I just do that? And you 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 start to doubt yourself. And often people who gaslight and intentionally gaslight um, pick people to date who they think that. So that so there's I think there's two different groups. Sometimes they pick people to date who they feel that they might be able to undermine their self-worth quite easily and can manipulate them because maybe they don't have a lot of high self-esteem or self-confidence or self-worth and they know that they can manipulate them. But on the flip side of that, people who gaslight and maybe have some more narcissistic tendencies often will pick really strong women who do know themselves and are very independent because they see it as a challenge and they think, I'll take control of this situation and that will make me feel more powerful because a lot of the time it comes down to power and so they pick people who are you wouldn't necessarily think because it's like a power trip for them um and I can personally say that that's 100% happened to me and it usually gaslighting is a, a major red flag for what can potentially get worse and worse and worse and um from personal experience I would say that that would be true but we know that we know it's one of the first signs of domestic abuse um so i would generally say you can't you're never going to change someone's mind you can if you notice it first of all and you say do you know what i'm going to have this discussion like you said anna and you say i'm going to have this discussion say when you did this this is what actually happened like did you did you recognize that this is what you did and just have the conversation and then you're aware of it and you can say right let's see if it happens again and you can flag it up if it's not something really major but you know it's scary how much if it's consistent how much it can properly mess with your head to, to you genuinely thinking that that's right me and my friend were talking about this recently because my ex cheated on me but I genuinely and now I don't care because I never cared at the time I he told me that some lie about something and he I had evidence that he cheated and he told me such a good lie but he gas at me for so long that when I found out, he was like, well, obviously it's not real because why would you, he said something like, why would you ever believe that this would be real? Like, don't be so silly. Really made me feel stupid. And I thought, yeah, he's right. Of course you wouldn't cheat. I mean, I'm almost hundred percent sure that you did. But once that's consistent like that, you just doubt yourself all the time. And that's where they want you to get to because then you need them. And it's a power thing. And that's what, that's a situation you really don't want to get into so that's why I'd say as a 35 year old woman who's been through it you want to get out straight away but whether I say that I would always do that in my 20s I certainly didn't but then look at the relationship that I had <laughs> so <laughs> um okay grief and overeating Although I feel I have healed my hurt, I do still find myself overeating with no huge reason. Could this be linked to feeling? Could this be linked from feelings pre-grief, i.e., going to family's house and them always having treats for us or cooking for us, or am I just being greedy? 
Um, I don't think you've been greedy. <laughs> That's the worst thing. I'm not. Um, does this person mean you might not know this? In, in terms of that person who is no longer here was part of the family where they used to eat, or is yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly you could be thinking of kind of reliving that the food brought you an experience when you were with that person and you're trying to bring yourself back to that moment potentially um yeah it could also be that actually yes you're grieving but grief doesn't just go away it doesn't go away after a month or two months and we've spoken about this quite a lot it could be a year down the line and you still feel that hollow part of you that want you want to fill with something and so it could be that um food could still be offering you the comfort that you're looking for right now um i think and again this is just kind of repeating what we said before but we're so quick to try and get out of grief and we just think there's an end point and then and that's it and it's not so it could be either and i think if if that's what it feels like to you and you are journaling on it and you think that that is what it feels like then recognizing that then that's then that's great so how can you then work through it i think that's the important thing so figure out what it is doing for you and if it is the memories thing maybe there's something else that you did together that you could replace it with or maybe you could do something else to honor this person's memory in some way so that you're still feeling like you've got a connection with them but outside of the food thing so think about once you've identified it think about what alternative maybe you could put in place i like that a lot thanks it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> um, I've run out of questions. Do you want to go for another one? I, yes. I've come a long way in the time that we've worked together, but I still struggle with overeating when I'm with friends, specifically when there are a lot of finger foods around. I go into it with a plan. Don't restrict beforehand, but somehow can't help but pick at the food the entire time and leave stuffed. Is it an anxious habit? Sometimes I think I mentally set myself up for it, like I'm nervous of it happening, that I somehow manifest it into existence. I think with anything, so we don't know the answer to why, right? I think with anything is look at yourself and think what, at the time, if you can say what what purposes this serve me. Often in the social, so, ugh, social situations, it's, more related to social connection acceptance belonging and fitting in and we often think that fitting in is what we need to belong and to have connection but actually fitting in is when we do things like snacking because other people are snacking or gossiping because other people are gossiping that's what we do when we're trying to fit in because we we think fitting in means connection and that's what we're that's really what we're we all want connection we're hardwired to want that so it could be and this is something that i've seen with some of my clients is that they're doing it because everyone else is doing it and they want to be part of the gang and have that social connection or social belonging but that's not what it offers it's what you're doing when you do that is doing it's almost inauthentic to you because it's not what you want to do it's not in line with what you value so and this is very like this is a very Brene concept, but when you're acting really inauthentically, you'll never get the connection that you're looking for because what you're doing is you're bonding 
yourself you're not bonding as yourself you're bonding as this version of you because you're trying to fit in and you're going to leave feeling less connected than you than you would if you didn't eat and you stay true to yourself and you realize that you can have all the same connection and all the same fun as your true self and then think how more connected you'll feel so it's not to say that that is what you're doing but that's certainly something that i've seen with some of my clients before um i'd also just check that you actually are not hungry because Sometimes it's easy to say, well, I eat enough before I go. But is it actually enough or is it still slightly, maybe slightly less? Mm, yeah. And I think it is tricky when it's just like finger food as well. But serve yourself a portion that's actually going to satisfy you. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid of that just because everyone else is just picking at things here and there. Do what you need to do and what's kind of al- aligned with everything that you're working towards yep absolutely um and also it might just be really delicious in which case that's why you're having it and that's also okay you're allowed to eat for taste and enjoyment and that's what those finger foods are often there for so that's also totally okay if that's what you're doing yeah i have nothing to add now (laughs) (laughs) i think ah, we will stop there yeah, I'm not going to lie, my laptop's beginning to slide off my legs. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's making a noise, like, really hot noise, and it's not obviously outside, so it's just had enough of this rich weather. Um, okay, thanks everyone for your questions. Keep them coming, please. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.